Hello and welcome back to Nakara, I suppose. But uh, it's Emer again. And Dan. We haven't had any guests yet. Maybe we'll have a guest. Do you think we should have a guest? If anybody ever visits us, hint hint to everybody. <laughs> uh, we put up our last podcast and it would be, we thought it might be nice to do another one. Date you on being back after Christmas and what we've got up to since then. We're back in Nakara at the moment. I was home with my family for Christmas and it was very nice, very relaxing. I did nothing and it was fantastic. It was really nice to just go home. Um, it rained all the time in Ireland, so Galway was pretty much underwater, which wasn't great. So I did look forward to coming back to Spain. Not that the weather's been a huge amount better here. Uh, it's, it's been fairly good compared to uh, to Ireland. There's nobody swimming to work. No, the river was flooded though. The first one day it was flooded for one day. Yeah, okay, that's that's true. The river, so there's a there's a river in Akira, which is I don't know how wide it is, but it's essentially it's a trickle for most of the year, or at least any time that we've seen it. So apparently during the summer it's next to nothing, and the rest of the time it looks like it's maybe shin shin deep or ankle deep. And then we got back and it was absolutely a river. It was it was flowing pretty fast. It had burst its banks a little bit. But I kind of also feel like we, you know, by being surprised by that, we're kind of buying into the whole small town, no news. Oh my God, the river looks very big today, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I will take that. Very exciting. But it was new for Nakara. Yes, that's true. It was new for Nakara, but it's it's odd to uh, dwell on it so much considering we just came back from a country that was mostly drowned. That's very, very true. If anybody's listening in Ireland, you'll know what we're talking about for the people listening in Spain. Ireland went for a swim over Christmas. They had, I don't know how many named storms, which was entertaining if you're at home. Not so much fun if the flood came into the home to entertain you. Which happened to a lot of people. But uh, they're kind of weird about weather here as well. They're uh, weird is a good word to way to describe it. Yeah. As people in Ireland will know, there's the, the stereotypical idea that Spain is just hot all the time. And in some places it is, it's pretty warm all the time, especially if you go down south, obviously it's much warmer there. Where we are now, it's closer to kind of Irish weather without the rain. So it's, you know, it's pretty cold some days. You get a certain amount of rain and it's just not, you know, like right now I'm looking out the window, I can't see the sun. But the obsession with weather comes down to minute detail more than anything else. You've got, for example, a town quite near to where we're living called Tricio, which is a beautiful old town on this hill that looks like it just popped out of nowhere and locals at least locals who live in Tricio will insist that it is colder in Tricio than it is in Nacta now it's during the summer so you know when it's during the summer you kind of decamp to Tricio to like oh it's so hot in Nacta you know I can't deal with it so we'll go up to Tricio and um, it'll be a bit more relaxing and we should point out that it is at the very most a 10 minute walk to Tricio and I think it's like 2k there else, yeah. And what's more, it's I say it's up a hill, but we live in an apartment on the fifth floor, and we're as high as most of the buildings in Tricio. So if it's colder there, it's as cold here in our apartment if you just open the windows. But you can't tell them that. No, they're having none of it. I maintain personally that the only reason it might be colder in a house in Tricio is because most of the houses were built by Romans and haven't been updated since, so the walls are about to fall down anyway. Which essentially adds to your ventilation. That's that's about it. That's all you're getting. There's not a lot of like they're quite old buildings. A lot of them, so there's no central heating. 
like it might be like you know some radiators and that kind of stuff so it means in the summer it is actually a little bit cooler because the buildings are designed with like two foot thick walls so it's keeping out the heat by sheer force of material more than anything else and then in the winter the idea is that it would keep in the heat but they're quite big old houses so they're quite hard to heat anyway plus they're they're you know u-shaped or w-shaped depending on which street you're on so you're inside the house and over the last 10 years you've gained about a foot of of uh room space because the walls are just moving away from each other yes yes that's that's true i don't know it's a very beautiful village it's definitely worth a visit yeah dig up dig up it's actually really nice it was built by the romans it's like beautifully planned and you've got beautiful views of the area and stuff Mm. like the landscape here is just so beautiful so we got here october kind of the start just the start of october and it's like everything's just coming into kind of the end of autumn i suppose um the vines are a little bit later than maybe like trees and stuff that we'd have in ireland because the harvest is in autumn so they have the the grapes harvest grapes and then the leaves start to turn and it's just so breathtakingly beautiful Mm. because all the different varieties will go different colors and Rioja is famed for mixing wines, mixing different varieties of grapes. So in one field, you might have a couple of different varieties of grapes or like the field next door to your field will be a different variety. And then that's what gives kind of a lot of the flavor and a lot of the uniqueness of Rioja wine is that it has all these beautiful flavors mixed together. Yeah, what's really beautiful about it is like we went to a, an old castle, the name of which I can't remember right it's, now. It's um, El Castillo de San Vicente. There you go, that's that. So we went, we were brought by a couple of friends, we got up there and it's it's on a fairly well-elevated area. And you look out, especially during uh, autumn, as Ymir said, you look out and each individual plot of land can be distinguished because during, you know, during the, the summer, it just looks like vines and it looks beautiful, but it's just they're all green and then there's grapes on them, which you can't pick out. But from from any distance, you can see that, you know, this is one type of wine because all of the leaves are yellow. Then you've got red over there. Then you've got a purple over there. Then you get a brownish red. Then you get another different yellow over here. Then you got some that are turning a little bit late. So they're a little bit greenish brown. It's like a patchwork quilt because they're almost square, all of these fields. And it's like people just drop them in random spots around the place. And you can see for miles and miles and miles. And it's, it is incredible. I mean, I'm sure the locals, I know they appreciate it, but it's kind of lost on them. As Irish people coming over, it's it's incredible. It looks like somebody painted the landscape. El Castillo de San Vicente, it's the castle of San Vicente, was owned by a baron or a count. And it's essentially like showing off his wealth. It's this. It's a ruin on the very, very top of one of the highest hills in the area. So he kind of built it to be like, look at my amazing castle. Everyone has to come down over here and look at my castle. Yeah, it's it a wasn't place built place for parties. Yeah, it wasn't built for defensive purposes or anything. Um, so you can go up to the ruin, you can walk up, and it's it's amazing. It's super beautiful, and you can see like the old design. It's a lot of it's it's a lot of it has fallen down, but you can see a lot of the original design. And then, so it's got about it's kind of like a quite a square design, and it's got pretty much like a door in every corner. So if you come out, you're in the in the middle of this castle, and in the inside, it's just grass and rocks and stuff. And you go through the door and you just greeted these rolling hills of vines and it's just beautiful. And then you can see on one side, you can see this beautiful mountain range and like during the winter, it'd be snow covered and stuff. So it wasn't quite when we were there in autumn, but it's just, it's like looking at the Pyrenees on one side and then this beautiful like rolling kind of flat landscape for as, as far as you can see pretty much. Mm-hmm. And it was just fabulous. And, and when we were there, 
obviously we were brought by some locals so we were having a look around and uh, they were pointing out you know this is this town and that's another town and then there's another castle that's built by another baron for similar purposes on that hill over there which you can see so you, you know they can see each other so of course we as irish people eat immediately went all oh, right and and were they fighting each other you know was there like this was built for defense and then they'd go for battles in between and we got this look of n- no why would you ask that that it's a castle they lived in them and we're like yeah but you know they they lived in them for defense because this is a safe place to be if no they're they're just nice houses it's a, a mansion more than than a castle and we're like okay all right because in in ireland if you have a built up something on top of a hill and especially if you can see another one from nearby they definitely had some kind of fights with each other they're probably best friends but they fought as well and this is just the normal thing but apparently no in spain you know if there's enough wine to go around everybody's happy we just got a little bit of extra money we're gonna build a house it's the simple things in life really you know and actually it's quite interesting like so where we live um was always it's kind of almost in a valley between two mountain ranges so it's a very fertile area because there's like four rivers that pretty much run through it um and obviously spain there's, there's enough sunshine to grow anything so the only thing you need is water so it's always been traditionally a very fertile place and it's always like grown grapes and food and stuff. So it's always been like that. So again, the easy, you know, the, the simple things in life. But it also means that it was quite like valuable territory. So if you were the invading Moors, which they are like it was a civil war or anything like that, this was a place to control because of money. Because you could, the vines were already here, so you know all you have to do is just pick them, and then you sell wine. There's always a market for wine. Wine is pretty much recession proof, so it was always an area that people wanted to control. Even the Romans, the Romans took over um, this area because they could. There's a lot of mud in the hills, so you can make ceramic pottery, and then you can use the ceramic pottery to transport the wine that you make. So you know it's super easy. You know it's like Completely a takeaway. Completely self-sufficient. Yeah, very handy. But it means then that, like, so like Tricia, Tricia is built essentially on the top of a little hill. And if you drive around the area, you'll see that a lot of the land in between the small hills is is just farmland and it's fields. And then there'll be a town on top of each hill. And a lot of the older towns are walled towns as well, because traditionally it would have been an area that would have been invaded quite a lot. So like there's a town nearby called La Guardia, which is literally like walking into a novel. It's the most beautiful place I've ever been. And it's completely walled and it's on the top of this hill. And the walls are probably three people thick, maybe a little bit more. That's an interesting measurement, but yeah. <laughs> well, like, yeah, I'm not a very big person, but yeah, probably three people thick. Well, the only time I've ever heard anybody measure something in people is the boot of a car. Uh, people <laughs> mention that, but only ever jokingly. I didn't realize that I was living with someone who genuinely measures things in, in bodies. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's me. I feel safe. Uh, yeah, you should. <laughs> I haven't decided to kill you yet. Um, but La Guardia is it's it's a textbook kind of like defensive town like inside the streets are too narrow for any cars so it's completely pedestrianized the entire town and everything is delivered to one of the four gates there's only four gates no there's a lot of gates actually in the town but there's a couple of gates in the town and you can't get anything in that's bigger than you know a couple of bikes rickshaw kind of size Mm -hmm. so there's no cars or anything kind of motorized inside the town um, but it's so beautiful and they have this really they have really beautiful food and they have like, you know, it's completely self-sufficient. It has a well inside and a church and like bars and wineries. And what's actually quite interesting about it as well is that a lot of places have. Um, so here people have like bodegas where you have like dinners where people meet up 
a dining room that you invite people to, I suppose. And usually they'll have like a fireplace and that kind of stuff. But in La Guardia, they're underground. So it's like a cellar. And you keep the wine there because it's a good temperature to keep the wine at. And then you invite all your friends down and they can drink the wine with you. That's great. We happen to see one because there's an awful lot of them here that are just essentially originally converted garages. Now, if I think of a converted garage, I think of like a couple of teenagers starting up a grunge band. But these things, sometimes they start out that way and you bring, you know, the teenagers bring their friends over and they hang out and it's never quiet. We have one that's just across the road from us. It's delightful. But then as people grow up they start to you know invest a little bit more money in it they tidy it up a little bit maybe give it a little lick of paint and then eventually it'll develop into something that's that's much more mature as as they are and while we were in LaGuardia we happened to see one which still had the garage door to it and they uh, they opened it up turned the lights on in the evening to to watch the sun go down I presume and, and enjoy some food and it was the most well decorated garage I could have ever imagined. It looked fantastic. I don't really know how to describe it other than that I saw it and wanted to go for dinner. It was kind of like, you know, a big solid oak wood table and you know, the walls were wood panelled and it looked really cosy and, you know, really solid furniture, just real comfy. Like, it was just real. I was like, yeah, can we can we go there? It and looked the house, like something out of a movie. Yeah. The house next door was for sale and we we're like, oh God, wouldn't that be so nice? Mm-hmm. We're like, yeah. Probably cost a bomb, but, you know, super worth it. Especially if the bodega looks anything similar. Plus, you know, you could be the most neighborly people in the world. Just drop around for a cup of sugar and never leave. That's true. That's very true. That's, that's not a bad idea. Maybe we should look into we that. We should try that. Also, like a lot of the villages. So we've kind of done a couple of day trips and stuff. And what I really like about it is that there's a load of like super tiny villages all around the place. And all of them are even more beautiful than the next. Mm. Like we went to a nut festival in a village called Pedroso. And it's essentially up the mountain. And when we drove up there, it was super misty. And it just appeared out of the mist on the side of a mountain. And it was just amazingly beautiful. I know it sounds so cliche to be like, oh, well, you know, every tiny little village is super beautiful. But it is. And well, Just recently, actually, um, a couple of days ago, I was brought out to an old village, which is quite near where we're living. And it's three buildings. They happen to build tall walls in between and um, as far as I know nobody lives there anymore but this was a village it was a town and it's now got like a cute little courtyard a handful of two-story buildings and like a garden at the back for where you grew your vines or your fruit and veg and whatever else and that's it but it's known locally as a town it qualifies as a town or a village whereas in in Ireland yeah you have places like that but they're kind of you know four houses either side of a main road and you just look like people dropped houses accidentally in the wrong spot it's usually a bit dreary as well yeah i mean not always but usually yeah and this place looks incredible Um, and they all do they because of the fact that they have the um the history you know with the romans and the moors and everybody else there's tons of different influences to all the the architecture and the designs and everything else and that means that it, it creates incredibly interesting buildings now they're not necessarily wonderful to live in anymore some of them are missing walls walls roofs and uh, and windows but they must have been beautiful in their day that being said uh, on the subject of buildings and houses and stuff it's one of the things that that i've found very interesting while we've been living here is the differences between the houses in ireland and the houses here obviously the houses in ireland are built for warmth and keeping you dry and well that's it yeah keep you dry and warm because if, if you're not dry and warm in ireland what's the point 
And uh, might as well just stand outside in your field, be outstanding in your own field. Please don't. Put that that uh, you're just uh, no. So buildings here are built to keep you cool because in the summer it gets incredibly warm. Now we haven't experienced it just yet, but we keep hearing all these warnings that oh yeah, you'll definitely you know cotton and and keep your windows open and you'll burst into flames. You're only Irish people. Now I don't know exactly what they're expecting of us, but if what they're saying is true, we're in for hell on earth for a while. I don't know why people live here if it's as bad as they say, but what it does mean is that the buildings that they've uh, built over the years and even modern buildings have very, very thin walls with essentially no insulation to keep heat in, but they want to keep the heat out and let the cool air run through it. And that means that they just have a single layer wall, whereas Ireland, you know, if you can get concrete walls that are seven foot thick and have uh, radiators built into them, that'd be wonderful. And here we wind up with essentially no ventilation, no heating, no heat insulation, and a heating system which works, they do work, they keep the place nice and warm, but we've found it very strange because we wind up with damp half the time because, you know, the house is made to be cold and then you're trying to heat the thing up. And they don't get, they don't get the, the winters that Irish people do, but they certainly don't get incredibly mild winters. It's It gets cold here, you know, you need to get a little bit of insulation on your, on your apartments, guys. And it means as well, like, the windows especially. So all the, the houses here come with persianas, which are like shutters, and you like... You can pull them up and pull them down. Usually the the old ones would have been made of wood, but a lot of the modern ones are metal. And it's, you know, it's just like a shutter. The old ones that you're thinking of would be like a closed kind of job, but these ones roll up and roll down. And it means the Persianas kind of like keep out the, the glare of the sun in the, in the summer, keeps out the heat, you know, by essentially blocking it out. But it also keeps a little bit of the heat in in the winter. But it means then that they just didn't insulate the windows very well because they're like, oh, well, you have Persianas, so it's grand. But then it means so that where the windows meet the wall is like the worst problem for like heat escaping, like which we've obviously learned very hard in Ireland. We learned that super well. And it just means it's just such a pain because like you get a lot of condensation, you get a lot of damp. And how are you finding teaching? It's your first time ever teaching English or anything really. Well, you know, I've done a couple of grinds and stuff before in Ireland and that's that's fine. Here it's very different, obviously, because it's a, it's a full-time thing. I feel much more comfortable having come back after Christmas. The first semester was obviously a, a real steep learning curve. you got to hit the ground running and essentially pull it out of the bag every single day. I feel a bit more comfortable now. It definitely makes for an interesting week because, you know, you've got... Well, it depends on, on your job, but you get a bunch of classes each week and different people in each class, different age groups in my in my case, different levels of uh, English. And that makes for a completely different experience every single week. And that's one of the best things about it, I think. You do get a little bit obsessed, well, with the job entirely because you're, you're planning and then you're teaching the class. So you get obsessed about, you know, the details of what you're supposed to be teaching whether or not you're teaching the grammar or you just want to have conversation whatever you get obsessed with am i teaching the right things am i giving the right information because god help me if i give the wrong information i'm gonna have to answer that in three weeks when i bring up the correct information because they will correct you you do hear about it when you get get it wrong but you also you know you get obsessed with your students you always think about oh well if i teach them this then i can teach them that and you know they'll do really really well in this that and the other but at the same time, you're also kind of thinking different personalities in, in the classes. If you have a different personality in each class or a different personality on either side of the table, it makes for a, a completely different experience. So I could plan a lesson and then I go in there and because I've got somebody who's incredibly quiet and somebody else who's incredibly talkative or worse, 
still actually if i get two people who have incredibly different opinions on something that it doesn't so much cause problems but it often means that you lose the lesson because you're um you're stuck in the middle of an argument basically so it's half teaching half refereeing sometimes with particularly with young young people with kids uh, kids have a lot stronger views than i thought i didn't realize how, how opinionated kids are maybe it's just spanish kids but they certainly have very strong opinions on a lot of things. I have one kid in particular who, if you bring something up that he disagrees with, now he's he's pretty young, but he will stand up in that class and berate you for disagreeing with it. Doesn't matter if you're a student, teacher, Santa Claus, he will have it out with you until you either agree with him or prove him wrong. And it's impressive, but it's also kind of like a little bit scary, you know, to be given out to you by a child. The children are the most unusual side of the t- of the teaching experience because you never know what they're going to come out with or what they're going to ask you there's been a couple of occasions where i've been asked uh, to correct pronunciation on things or where i've been asked how do i say this in english I'm like why would you want to say that in any language but kids have these ideas about what they want to say and they want to say them in every language that they can my favorite is when they're like trying to get you they're trying to like subtly convince you how to tell them how to properly pronounce curse words yeah yeah or when they when they try to take advantage of the fact that I don't speak Spanish, that's where the impressive ideas come out of. So, for example, I had one class where my students came in and they clearly discussed it beforehand. They came in and tried to explain to me that they had homework to do, English homework, which on occasion we will do in class if they've uh, you know if they're struggling with it or if they've been specifically told and um, that they need to have this done perfectly or whatever. So <laughs> they sit down. They take out this book and they say, yeah, we've got we've got homework uh, and it's in it's in this book. We have to get through this little uh, reader thing for English class tomorrow. Lo and behold, it is a Where's Wally book in Spanish. Like even the tiny little bit of writing that is in it isn't in English. So I had to explain to them, guys, that's that's not English. And they're looking at me. Going, yeah, it is. Yeah, that's definitely. I'm like, first off, I know what that book is. And second off, second off, I can't read any of those words on that page. And they're looking at me going, well, what kind of English teacher are you? If you can't understand what's written on the page, oh, we're we're really disappointed in you now. This is this is terrifying, and would not let up on the idea that this is our homework for English class is to find Wally. I, I have to, and they're telling me, oh, well, look, it's it's okay. We'll explain the homework so that you understand better. See what happens is there's this guy, and he's in a picture, and we have to find him in English. Now, how you find something in English? silently i don't know but i was very impressed with their attempt it's smart thinking yeah and they were so angry that i, that I wasn't buying it when eventually i was like guys it's not english i'm really nice try but i'm sorry that's not happening they were so angry that it hadn't worked because they honestly believed that this was clearly going to work how's he not going to fall for this he doesn't speak spanish now you have to think of like tiny small spanish girl anger yes and try and like imagine two sets of eyes looking up at you being like what do you mean this isn't our English homework? Well, now, you know, you say tiny, small Spanish girl anger. I have discovered from teaching tiny, small Spanish girls that small girls have the exact same talent for disdain as grown-up girls. You you guys learn that pretty quick. It's like, what is wrong with you? You don't get this? Sort yourself out. And they ju- it's a withering look from a, a girl of any... In fact, actually, children generally seem to have this talent for uh, suddenly becoming 40-year-old angry CEO people. I don't get that so much in my class. No, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just you. <laughs> it, it definitely does come down to the fact that I don't speak Spanish. They, they constantly have this idea, well, he doesn't speak Spanish, therefore he's an idiot. 
and we can put one over on them. That's true. That's yeah. true. See, I speak a bit more. Now, like, I'll get kids who come in and tell me this whole spiel. It's like, oh, well, today I was on this thing. And because they're getting excited about telling me this story, they get, like, excited and then they speak really quickly. And they, you know, I'll follow a normal conversation usually, but children will use a lot of slang or colloquial words. Hermano is, is brother, but they'll use tato, which is, like, a kid word for brother. And they'll use some, like, slang words like that or whatever. So I'm, like half following this story and then they're like then they'll look up at you expectantly being like oh yeah so yeah and i'm like just nod and smile wow yeah that's great and i have no idea what it is and then sometimes like they're trying to explain something to you in spanish but you don't have enough spanish like i don't have enough spanish to understand and they don't have enough english to communicate so we do a lot of like miming and drawing things on the board which is actually quite good for learning but it's it's a, a very interesting time. Well, the most interesting for me, actually, is when they go off on those spiels about, oh, this week I did this, and then I did this, and then... And they can, you can tell they've completely lost all train of thought. They've no idea what it is they wanted to tell you anymore. They just want to tell you about a thing, and what that thing is is no longer important. And I can't follow it because they're getting so excited about it. But, of course, as a teacher, I want them to, keep, to, to stay enthusiastic and engaged and stuff. So I'm trying to show interest without actually understanding anything they're saying. And all I keep thinking the whole time is, please don't ask a question. Please don't ask a question. Please don't ask a question. Because if they ask a question, I 100% won't have a clue what to say. And it has happened a couple of times because, of course, you can tell their tone of voice when they, they end a sentence with a question sound. And then I freeze. <laughs> I'm just, oh, oh, crap. What am I? Um, yeah. And you'd be amazed how often yeah gets you out of it. Smile, nod, yeah, and you're good. And they'll just continue. But when it goes wrong, it goes down like a ton of bricks. They just look at their friends and like, this guy's an idiot. What are our parents paying for? This is ridiculous. <laughs> so true. <laughs> or uh, actually, I have a like a slightly kind of different twist on that. Is that so? The way that Spanish people speak is is different to the way we would use English. So they use a lot more kind of like friendly insults it's actually quite similar to ireland in a way but it's a lot of friendly insults so like proper british english or american english would be a lot more toned down so it means that young kids kind of have kind of joking insults something like along the lines of gobshite or whatever and now they know they're not supposed to use it but it'll come out occasionally but then i won't know exactly what it is that they're saying so i'm like trying to grade how serious it is by the other person's reaction you know, because obviously we don't tolerate cursing in class. But then I'm like, well, I'm not sure how serious that was. So I'm trying, you know, chastise them. But I'm trying not to be too serious. Because if it's only just like something kind of, you know, a throwaway mark, then it's like, you know, come on now. We've talked about this. Whereas if it's something really, really serious, I have to be like, come on now. We can't have that. Do you want me to talk to your parents? We've talked about this before. Um, So it's just, it's a very unique situation. Because you're like, I know that was an insult, but I don't know what it means and I'm not sure how serious it is. And what's worse is, because I do the same in, in my classes very often, because you have to wait for that half a second for the other person to react, it gives an absolutely enormous opening for the other person to react really badly and throw something back that's worse. And then, of course, before you can even interject there, the other person has jumped back and it's, you know, you've essentially got a royal rumble in the middle of your classroom. And it's all because you have no idea what somebody has just said and you have to wait to measure their reaction. And of course, you, you now know that it was incredibly insulting, but they're both in trouble now and it's actually... Way less productive. Yeah, and it's also my fault that they're both in trouble because I didn't know what it was that they were saying in the first place. Whereas if I just spoke, spoke the language and understood what it was, I'd have cut them off before all hell broke loose. And now I've got to get them to, to relax, put away the weapons, holster the guns, all of that stuff before I can actually 
carry on with anything. And it also means that like you have to let a certain amount of stuff just lie. Because they use it in a lot more kind of friendly way that there's a certain amount of stuff that's just, they don't even know that they're saying. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's an insult, but nobody else seems offended, so I'm just going to let it go. Yeah, I, I understand that because it's kind of similar, and this is going to sound really bad, but it's kind of similar to the way I speak with my brothers. Um, I can't remember exactly how it was put once, but somebody once commented that we love each other in a, a horribly insulting way. Um, so, for example, I'll walk into a room say hi to my, my mom and my dad and from the far side of the room one of my brothers will hurl an insult and that as far as we're concerned a friendly welcome so I get where they're coming from with that but it does th- it's a cultural thing as well it's a, it's a very different culture so it happens outside of like just families it happens with friends it happens with neighbours and they know the degree to which you can push it without it being a bad thing but we don't so if you jump on absolutely every insult or every bad word you get, again, people looking at you like you're an idiot. Like, you just don't get it. This is just how we speak. Give over. Yeah, and then, it, like, you'd be the whole class anyway. Yeah. Because it'd just take way too much time, so you just have to let a certain amount of stuff just go. But it does make for interesting teaching, because hmm. I have pretty much everyone from about, well, I had about from two-year-olds up to retirees, so... Hmm. You kind of do get it like a very interesting demographic of people and of, you know, different types of people and from different jobs and backgrounds. And like, because there's a lot of small kind of like satellite villages around us. So we're kind of a satellite village for the main city in Rioja as well, that you get people from like all around the place. So it's actually very interesting. And, you know, people, as we were saying earlier with all the little beautiful towns, but they all have, you know, something very interesting in them. There's always like some touch of history or like something to, worth going seeing. Like the church has this bell that's hundreds of years old or whatever it is. And they all, everyone here in, in Rioja knows these towns. They know the names of them, of course, and they know the uh, the histories of them. They know the stories around them because they've grown up with them. But the other thing about it is that they love telling you about them because they are. It's a, it's a very rich history that Rioja has. It's a very interesting place. So they love telling you the stories and they love telling you about the, the towns and the connections between them, the people that live in them and all of these different things. And I love hearing about them, but I don't necessarily remember what the name of the town is or where it is, even if I'm in the town at, the, at that time. And it has happened many, many times where people have gone, oh yeah, well, you know, we're going to go to this place. Do you want to go? And I'm like, Oh yeah, that sounds lovely. Um, you know, I've never been there. Like you were there last week. Um, yeah, sorry. I so anyone who's who's listening who's from Spain, I don't know where these towns are. Just deal with it. I'm sorry. I don't speak the language. They're all difficult for me to pronounce. I like them, but don't ask me to tell you what they are or what the names of them are. Another interesting thing, actually, that's kind of come up on our road trips around is that music in Spain is very different to music in Ireland. It's not necessarily always different. We have heard a lot of the songs. A lot of the songs are very similar to what would have been on the radio in Ireland, but they would have been on the radio in Ireland in 1992. Or, like, at the very least five years old, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. If the, the, they they have the Adele. Stuff. Yeah, they have Adele. There, there's some of the newer stuff that kind of trickles through, but it's like, Ireland, I feel like there's, there's a, a very fast turnover of music in, in Ireland. There's something new all the time because there's huge amounts of it comes across from America then we've got English music coming in as well we've got our own produced music as well so there's a lot produced all the time and it's only like cherry picked stuff that comes in from English speaking music into Spain and at that it's very close to their own style of music which would be produced here now don't get me wrong they love 
English music like you know you're bopping away in the nightclub to whatever English music and then a Spanish song will come on next you know they do have kind of a nice mix Mm. but because it's not an English speaking country the same proliferation just doesn't happen now they have a lot of their own artists and stuff as well which is always quite interesting but uh, it's just very funny because I get asked occasionally in like nightclubs to be like oh hey what does this song mean and they at the moment I've heard actually quite recently the song cheerleader and it's like I want to be your cheerleader. Uh, I'm good. I'm just a really big fan of you, or whatever. And I'm like trying to tr- like. So I'm, I'm listening to the song because I don't know all the lyrics off by heart. So I'm listening to the song and then I'm trying to like put it in my best broken Spanish. And it's just and then I'm like in the nightclub when we're a bit jarred and it's just super hilarious. And I'm like, yeah, this song doesn't really make an awful lot of sense. Like, there's a song, but what's that song about hula hooping? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like a hula hoop. It's something along the lines of you, you spin me around like a hula hoop or something. And it goes like hula 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 hoop or something like that. Something quite, yeah. But we were in a car at one point with somebody and uh, kind of humming along to this song. And they, they're they driving and they're like, you know, I hear this song all the time. It's really catchy. What's it about? I'm like, a kid's toy. That's what a hula hoop is. And uh, there's more to the song, but I don't know what that is. To To find out that you've been listening to this song for I don't know how long sing it along they will learn the words even you know sometimes if they don't know what the words mean they'll learn the sounds and sing along and then suddenly you find out that there is no substance to this song at all that you've been singing to and it's just about a plastic ring although what makes uh, for really really entertaining evenings is when they put on shows we went to a a show or a, a bit of a gig in a bar just this weekend gone, which was incredibly entertaining. They had uh, two two men singing different songs. One man got up and sang some uh, Spanish uh, kind of classic popular songs. And apparently, according to the, the Spanish people around, did a wonderful job. Sounded exactly like the original singer. He had a lovely voice. Very nice voice. And um, the other guy got up and uh, he had he had a he was close to the to the voice. And I'm not gonna lie, he was close in the voice. But picture this: you're in a bar. There's a microphone in the corner and a man steps up to the microphone wearing a black suit. Quite a large man wearing a black suit and a white shirt and a black curly wig. And then attempts, without a very good knowledge of English, to do a Tom Jones impression and sing pretty much an entire album of Tom Jones impersonations with a Spanish accent, Spanish pronunciation and a whole bunch of not English. I I really just don't know how to describe it. It was good... But I kind of feel like it was good, but not for the reasons that he wanted it to be good. You couldn't do anything but laugh, really, yeah. to be honest. Now, his voice was lovely. He he did a really lovely song of, you know, it was a lovely job of hitting the notes. And he sung that quite nicely. But the words were just sounds. It wasn't mm. English. He kind of got one in seven words, maybe. Yeah. And later on, so this large middle-aged bald man starts singing you can leave your hat on in horribly broken english and it we did a lovely job but it was just so funny i was just I like think, yeah what what does it for for us is we've you know we would know these songs as well as english speakers we've heard tom jones songs knowing and growing up with you can leave your hat on and knowing the the kind of sexual connotations that go with it it's an incredibly like sexy song it's known as a kind of uh, a real mover when we heard Tom Jones was going to be, it was going to be a Tom Jones thing. We thought, oh well, you, you know, you got to bring bags of women's knickers. They got to get thrown up on the on the stage because that's what happened. Hearing Tom Jones not know his own words changes 
the experience to say the least it's very very entertaining and i know i feel really bad for laughing about this because you know fair play to the guy he got up and he did he did his his piece i just can't pretend it wasn't funny i thought it was pretty fantastic to be honest and just i think we got more out of it than anyone else did Hmm. really Hmm. well that being said our friends do get uh, great joy from turning to us in the middle of songs and just kind of giving us this look that you know that well and the, the the question that they're expecting an answer to is is this English? Do you understand what this is? And we just have to shake our heads and, and kind of smile and say, no, I'm really sorry, but I have no idea what that is. It sure as hell ain't English. It's just very entertaining. Hmm. I'm going to leave it at that for this time, and we'll do another one next week, maybe. Sure. We just never stop talking to us, really, to be honest. So. Well, there is plenty more to, to be talking there about. There is. There is. So we will talk to you guys a little bit more next week. So for now, it's bye from me. And bye from me. Bye-bye.